Barcel, and together we are presenting to you the Jazz and Grass and Other Stuff 2 podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, Marcel over here. I'm, I'm sorry if I sound a little bit stuffed up. I am a little bit under the weather right now. But we got Lyman. It's uh, it's more of that duality thing where, like, he does the jazz, I do the bluegrass. He does the not ill thing. I'm super ill, you know. <laughs> I just got to say, what a trooper today. Really appreciate <laughs> you uh, chugging through. Yeah, no problem. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sick. I'm just a baby. See, my thing is, I never leave my house, and it keeps my immune system, you know, very weak, uh, very, very young, like, like the immune system of a newborn baby. That's how I like to think of myself. Do you have your shots? Do you have your vaccinations? Um. Well, then I'd have to leave my house, Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, too, have the immune system of a newborn baby and I'm unable to be vaccinated. So I guess we can never hang out again in person. Oh, that's true, because I will I'll infect you because I am undoubtedly uh, a sort of a typhoid Marcel kind of situation. <laughs> I'm, I'm a carrier of a lot of <laughs> a lot of unknown current diseases. Anyway. Uh, if you're not familiar with us, me and Lyman, we run an Instagram account called Jazz and Grass. And we post uh, we post guitar licks uh, every single day. Um, lately, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday has been jazz licks, and then Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday has been the bluegrass licks. That's true. Did I say that right? I said that right. Um, that's right. We switched days. I don't know why we did that. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is the reason. This doesn't make anything make sense. <laughs> That's my reasoning, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, you can find uh, all kinds of bluegrass licks on there. We also do other stuff online in the music world. Uh, Lyman, of course, has his website, LymanLimpke.com. I got LessonsWithMarcel.com. You should check those out for all the jazz or bluegrass information you want. But right now, we are doing the Jazz and Grass podcast. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we've talked about, uh, just before we started recording, we had some interesting ideas of what we were going to talk about. Very guitar-related, very guitar-centric, mm-hmm. guitar-specific. I, th- I think this uh, this uh, falls under other stuff, too. And I just heard a cat. Yeah, that's my cat. <laughs> uh, he knows what's up. He knows when I'm talking to the computer that he's going to come hang out. He's going to hop <laughs> on the desk now. You hear um, <laughs> Before we get into the meat of this... Of, the episode. Um, I just spent uh, a week and a half house sitting my wife's boss's house with a bunch of animals. So I got to hang out with a cat for the last week and a half. Are you pro cat? Are you anti cat? I am allergic to cats and I love cats. Oh man, I didn't even know that about you. You didn't know that I was allergic or that I love them? Um, I don't know. Either, I guess. <laughs> How how loud is my cat rubbing his face on the desk? I can't hear it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> It'll be it's the perfect volume <laughs> during the podcast then. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I got to hang out with uh, with three different cats, all with varying personalities. Um, Nugget is my favorite cat, this little black cat. Very chill, likes to just lay at the foot of the bed and hang out, sometimes get pets. Um, Ernie is, is, is very skittish, 
but he will come into your room in the middle of the night and put his butt directly on your face. Uh, the classic cat move. Mm-hmm. And then there's another cat called Winslow who's very old and sickly and is probably dying. So. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Three stages of cat. Uh, the favorite one, the one who's always putting his butt in things, and the one that's dying. Yep. Um, so, uh, tell me a little bit more about your cat. I just want to hear about your cat. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, those of you that watch my YouTube channel have definitely seen my cat before. He's a black and white tuxedo cat. His name is Sushi Cat. Um, he has cat in his name. Um, we always call him Sushi Cat. I guess his name could just be Sushi, but I don't think it is. I think it's Sushi Cat. But, you know, now I don't even know the name of my own cat. Um, yeah, he, uh, I think he's named after a video game. My girlfriend named him. I think there was a little, like, mobile phone game called Sushi Cat, and I think that's the origin of his name. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of a jerk. He is really mean to most new people to the house, and he'll try to claw at you and bite you. The only people he's nice to, he just tripped a little bit getting up on the desk. The only people he's nice to are me and my girlfriend, KJ. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a jerk, but everyone online likes him because they think he's nice, but he's actually terrible. I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> he's going to hate you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my, my darndest to, uh, to, you know, swing him the other way. But. <laughs> yeah, he's recently um, he's recently decided that he really likes getting on my desk because I have I have a laptop and I move it from like surface to surface kind of in this area, and so he'll replace it so wherever the open spot is. That's where he wants to be, and sometimes if he's feeling friendly, he'll he'll get on my lap. But he's not really a lap cat. Mm. I mean, all cats like to be where the light box is. That's true. Oh, yeah. Anyway, man, cat stuff aside, what are we talking about today? Um, I just wanted to talk about, like, leadership um, in, in music. Um, like, what we like out of leaders and, like, how we would lead bands or uh, various music endeavors. Um, but the thing that got me thinking about all that was... Uh, my wife and I have been binging Kitchen Nightmares, and uh, we 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 are just in love with Gordon Ramsay. We love him, uh, the best guitarist, voice of a generation. Um, he's got all the tone. Um, he's obviously he's playing a a telly through a, through a Line Six amp. Uh, he's got a. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that metal, uh, that boss metal zone pedal. I mean, that's, you know, that's the ideal tone, the ideal setup. And he's just given us all that, uh, all that music magic. <laughs> so, uh, joke, jokes and stuff aside, what, what are your opinions on Gordon Ramsay? Like what if, what of his have you watched? Yeah, I, you know, I, I really like, uh, Gordon Ramsay's, uh, other stuff that he does that's not, um, that's not food related too. I really like the um, the motel one. Was it just called Motel Hell or Hotel Hell? Hotel or? Hell. Yeah. Hotel Hell. Uh, 
I really like that one. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're if you're into that, if you want to check that out, there's actually a bunch of episodes just on YouTube. That seems like a really lame thing to go to YouTube for, but hey, that's that's why I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so consider it. But yeah, I I I like that just because you get to see him um, kind of like working his business magic and not just working his um, creative magic, which I. I think a lot more of his cooking stuff has to do with. Actually, that's not true. I mean, when he comes in and he like revamps a restaurant, he like gives some crap about everything, though. Hmm. I, I love that he knows like where the spots in the kitchen are to check for for mess, like the exact spots. And all all the restaurant owners will claim, "Oh, this is super clean, very clean." And then, um, yeah, he finds the quote-unquote one place that was dirty but there's yeah. a whole bunch of dirty crap totally so what his, do you his, like about his leadership i like his attention to detail like um i i guess gordon ramsay's uh very well known for his his uh his explosive temper and shouting and uh Oh, and swearing at, at at people and all that jazz. Um, but like, <clears throat> I, I think that comes from like his attention to detail and his very very high standards. Um, like it, it's it's real obvious that he loves food, and like when he gets when he gets good food, like he'll be the first to to praise it. Like it's delicious. Finally, some good blanking food <laughs> yeah his passion runs both directions like he's excited when food is good and he's also excitable when food is bad <laughs> mm-hmm. like he has his his standards um are something that honestly we, we all should strive for in anything that we're passionate about uh and for for you and i that would be music right yeah of course do you, do you ever do you ever wonder about um, you know like the counter argument the devil's advocate opinion is that Gordon Ramsay will uh, kind of dissuade people from continuing because he's you know he's coming on so hard with the uh, you know with the criticism whereas there's sometimes with creative endeavors there's a certain amount of pampering that teachers do right? there's you know a certain level of like oh no that's really good keep going that's really good keep going. And it's not that what they're doing at the moment is really good. It's that they're on the path to making something really good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally feel that. And uh, that that's actually my approach when it comes to teaching and leadership. Uh, to, to keep people, you know, motivated in, in that regard. Uh, but I, I, I feel like I was brought up in the, the world of higher standard. Or if you would, you know... If you played bad, you the 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 upper people they'd let you know, <laughs> and sometimes not in the nicest of ways. Uh, uh, w- one counterpoint to your, or I, g- I guess counter counterpoint to your counterpoint would be it weeds <laughs> out the weak. Um, yeah, it certainly which, does. You're looking for people that really want it. Yeah, which. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, I, guess, I guess it depends on, like, 
what what the situation is if you're going to employ those types of techniques if it, everybody says they really want to be there and they really want to uh do the the things it takes to uh get to the next level then um then i guess put your money where your mouth is like if if you're saying all the right things and you're not living up to that standard um one way is to berate it out of them i guess <laughs> that's very true on the subject of berating it out of people i think that that's uh <laughs> man it's hard to say that that's a super useful technique or to to back that technique wholesale but i think it is important for there to at some point be a weed out process when you when you are talking about serious topics um i think we all know that there's there's a moment where you want to talk about something serious to you know that pertains to your craft whatever it may be guitar playing and music being you know what we obviously care about and there's someone who wants to hang on the conversation there's someone that wants to you know give an opinion and have something to say and so on and so forth but they actually don't really have any stake in the game they're not actually players they're just people that want to run their mouth they're people that want to be players and that uh that can be a problem right and there there mm-hmm. are certain ways to kind of like get at that answer and see if they really care i think we've both been on gigs where we've uh seen musicians that really want to talk the talk but don't actually walk the walk and yeah. you know it it sounds it sounds so elitist but it's very true in improvisational music just because it happens people want to hang people want to say that they can improvise and they they can't it takes work mm-hmm. <laughs> takes a lot of work i mean i'm still working every day to to feel like i can barely barely improvise yeah it's funny how there's uh maybe slightly off topic but it's it's funny how there's this uh this initial like peak of confidence when you start doing something new like when you start improvising and you learn like your first pentatonic scale and you realize that you can make these like continuous sing- like continuous lines right and you can do something like that and you're like hey i'm really good at this i'm so great like things are going good life's great and then <laughs> you know maybe like a month later you realize that there's so much more and you realize i'm terrible at this i'm not good at this i need to work really hard i need to keep working and it's almost like that opinion of yourself on how hard you need to work continues to like stay at that level you know even when you're a really good improviser you still feel like man there's just so much that i haven't even thought about or gotten at there's so much i need to work on and there's this really humbling aspect of seeing everything that there is and then you end up in a conversation and you're talking with a guy who's saying Yeah, you know, whatever. I don't really think about it, man. I just play what I feel and, you know, like that's always been really good and like everyone really respects my playing. So, you know, that's just how it is. And you realize, "No. No, you're full of it, dude. <laughs> you don't you don't get it yet. You're close to getting it, but you're just not mm-hmm. there yet." Yeah. One thing Gordon Ramsay's taught me is all opinions are not created equal. Like um I mean, He's got something like 15 Michelin stars. I don't know the number, but he's got a bunch. And uh that that means to me his opinion on food is way more valuable than some schmuck that owns two restaurants. Whose opinion 
who the, the schmuck's opinion might be more valuable than, than, you know, my opinion. Cause I have a, yeah. a dead palate. But yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's, it's important to, to take that into account. Like you can have your opinions, but like how much weight they hold and how much value your opinions actually have, like depends on, you know, your body of work and your, your ability and your experience and all those types of things. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about that leadership in music now Now that we have a a really good basis for kind of what works when you're, when you're in the, uh, the hypothetical conversation when you're when you're talking with other musicians, um, you almost want to, you know, you almost want to reach this spot where you've hit that imposter syndrome. You've you've hit that moment where you're like, oh, everyone else is really good at this, but I'm terrible. Even though you're really good too, right? That's how you that's how mm-hmm. you feel and that's how you think because you're a good musician. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I've ever met uh, another musician who didn't have imposter syndrome, who didn't feel that way. Um, you know, we're all hanging out. We're all good. We're obviously all talented. We all like each other. And then there's, you know, this moment you go home and you just feel like, man, everyone's better than me. <laughs> that's that's good. That's how you should feel. You're hanging out with the right people. You're hanging out with people that like can, uh, you know, mop the floor with you. That makes you a good musician. Yes, um, for sure. But, um, you know, the the leadership in music, a lot of times you end up in situations where, um, hey, let's say you're doing a sideman role, like me and you are constantly doing. We're always sidemen in bands. And we show up for a gig, and there's someone who doesn't know a lot. And it, that doesn't mean about music. It could be about booking. It could be about actually working with other musicians who know a lot. It could be about, um, you know, about finding out, uh, you know, what requirements we have for a gig, you know, like, you know, what the sound system is going to be like and finding out, ironing out all those details, the transportation and what the load-in time is and all of those little things. And you sit down and you have to work with them and it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really find yourself in those situations where there's, you know, what do you do? Yeah, and I've been on like both sides of the coin where somebody has, you know, the the back end uh, a, a really strong uh, grasp of like the back end, the booking, the transportation, the uh, all the the things that aren't you know technically music related. Who they're really good at that, but you know aren't particularly great at uh, great players or great you know at leading directing musicians. And mm-hmm. I've played with some great directors and leaders and players who. Uh, don't know the first thing about, you know, what we need to know as a sideman. Very, very true. Yeah, I would I would even say that those are pretty broad and pretty applicable stereotypes that people who who know a lot about one of those things probably don't know a lot about the other thing. And you're pretty lucky if you find someone who is who is killing both those categories. Absolutely. So what 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 would you uh, rather prefer somebody who's better at the back end or better at directing music? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think that a lot of people would probably maybe have the same answer as me and that I would rather have someone who's good at the back end side of things. I mean, who 
is going to tell me when load in and load out are. It's going to tell me, you know, how much I'm getting paid and how that's split, who the other musicians are going to be. And if there's going to be rehearsal, what's going to be, if we're going to run songs that we don't know, all those things. I mean, I'd rather have someone who's good at that because I I know the musical side. So if they have trouble communicating, you know, even basic stuff like what key a song is in or what the chords are or something like that, that's easy for me to figure out. Uh, it's not mm. easy for me to just magic up a number for uh, when I need to show up someplace, when I need to be there. <laughs> so yeah. I, would, I would much rather um, they be good at that side of things and I'll, I'll be the one who is good at the music if need be. Yeah, sort of like a, a musical director. Not sort yeah. of, exactly like a musical director. Yep, exactly. Um, I've been I've been in that situation a few times where, because I'm I'm horrible at back end stuff, somebody else takes care of that, and uh, I take care of you know musical directing, uh, running the rehearsals, uh, helping with choosing the set list, all that, um, and it's kind of like a co leadership thing, which uh, yeah, it's a way to play to your your strengths and uh, augment your weaknesses using somebody else. Yeah, totally. I think that uh, I think that's the strongest way to do that. I think that um, what happens when you have a leader in place that's only good at the musical stuff is you end up taking on a lot of those other duties, <clears throat> not because you're better at them or more qualified or anything, just because somebody has to. Um, so we've mm-hmm. all probably been in a band as well where no one is doing the booking. Um, no one is like, uh, you know, finding out the rates for a recording studio and no one is finding like other backing musicians. No one is, I mean, even looking after the band fund, no one is doing all of those other little things that have to happen. And you're like, all right, guess I'll do that too. All right, guess I'll do that too. And you end up taking on more and more and then you, uh, get old and you get bitter and you never take on those roles again inside of a band. (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm learning leadership is a is a young man's game yeah right you uh i I think the 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 biggest thing about um the leadership role now now that i've just been in so many different bands and i've also had to lead so many different things it really just is surrounding yourself with people that are in and not not only in the same mindset and have the same attitude and approach, but people that are that are in the same moment of their life as well, um, really makes a huge difference. And that's you know that that can be really hard to do, but you know you're always gonna find conflict in in a band. For instance, if like I don't know, it could be something as silly as like uh, maybe maybe only one person in the band owns a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. you're all single, only one person owns a house. That one person who owns this house is going to have to like come back at some point to like mow the yard or like make sure no one broke in or like he's got more of a vested interest in where he lives and he's not going to want it to her as much, you know? Or, you know, one person has a girlfriend or one person is married or one person has a kid or one person is any of those things. Even one person has a a more secure job than the other people. You know, when you create any kind of a balance like that, that's, you know, 
It's not that that person is wrong or that they're breaking up the band. It's just that they need to be in a group where everyone is at that same point in their life and things are a little more similar. Things tend to work a little better. And it, I think it saves the leadership, you know, it saves that leadership role from having a lot of work and having to deal with a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I've played in, in tons of bands where the, the age range uh, was... Uh, Huge. Like I, I played in a, a, a larger ensemble that had uh, uh, players from the age of 20 to the age of, I believe, 60-ish. He was never really, you know, he never really wanted to tell us what his real age was. <laughs> I've also played in bands where I've brought the entire average age of the band down seven years yeah, totally. I I feel like uh, in the in the bands that I've been in, you know, for instance, you know, like having a bluegrass band where everyone's in their twenties and then one guy's in his fifties. That I think that works out. It works out fine. And I wouldn't even say that it contradicts what I said earlier. I think the reason why it works is because, you know, you got all these kids in their twenties that don't have a lot of responsibility. You got a guy in his fifties who's just you know sending his last few kids to college. His responsibilities are going down. He's reaching that retirement age. He's got more time. Yeah, you know, it, it works out. You're, you're, you're doing the mm-hmm. same thing where it's like, hey, we can all stay up. We can take that long weekend. We can, like, do those things. It works, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's something I've never really thought about. Like, 55 to 60 is similar to, you know, <laughs> 18 to 23. On my um on my YouTube videos and on my website too, you know where I teach bluegrass, um, <clears throat> I see that analytic uh, across the you know across the gamut of everything that I run. There was always a huge dip in attendance for the 30s and 40s. So I get all my hits from like the 20 year olds and from the like above 50 crowd, and it's because you have kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all it is. Like. You have kids, you're on your first career, things are like busy, you're probably getting your first house, you're getting married, you're doing like all of that stuff potentially. And that's, you know, normally when life gets real complicated. And yeah, there's just not enough time to screw around on YouTube and learn bluegrass guitar. So yeah, I see people who are doing it, you know, you know, in high school and in their early 20s, mid 20s. And then I see people who are doing it later in life in their 50s. Mm hmm. I'm in an interesting situation, man. Like, uh, I've been married for nearly five years, and my wife lets me do the whole music as a job thing. Um, I don't have any children, but I've been I've been married nearly five years, and uh, I just I, I just wanted to take this time to thank my wife for letting me do <laughs> stuff that I like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks, significant others, for letting us continue to do this. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's one thing I've noticed is when people get into a serious relationship or you know get married, their their time for music uh, diminishes as well. Yeah, you know that that is interesting. I think you you normally kind of see. Um, well, you know, I'll use, uh, yeah, I'll use real names. Why not use real names? I'll use my uh, my friend Aaron and his wife Jen as an example. Um, 
Aaron and Jen uh, have been together for a good amount of time, and they have um, a million kids. Um, I won't say how many kids they have. They have a lot of kids. And they... Uh, yeah, I don't want to H3 podcast this up in, up in here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, po- the point is, is that uh, she's crazy supportive. Uh, Jen is always pushing Aaron out of the house to the point that she's contacting bookers and stuff like that. And she's saying, like, go, go have fun. Like, um, you know, she's she said stuff like... Uh, you know, will you, you know, will you, will you make sure Aaron, uh, Aaron gets drunk tonight? Like, you know, will you make sure Aaron has a good time? <laughs> and uh, I, I really appreciate that. She's, uh, I think she's just like pushing her husband to have his own time and like saying like, get the hell out of here, go do your thing. And um, of course you see that other perspective where it's like, hey, we have our time together and this is something we agreed to. And, you know, I expect to see you more and, you know, don't, don't let this get in the way of our relationship, which I mm-hmm. respect too. I think it depends on what's actually going on in your personal life, you know, depending yeah. on how that's going, what actually happens in your relationship and how it affects how much music you're making. There, There is absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, you know, taking time away from music to be with somebody that makes you happy. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, like... Look, if, you're, if your relationship is important, then there's nothing wrong with taking time away from anything to have a good relationship. <laughs> I mean, I, it's that simple. It doesn't even have to do with music. Yeah, true story. Like, concentrate on, on you and, and your personal life and live a life that's meaningful to you. Uh, that's why I play music. It, it brings some sense of meaning into my life. Yeah, right. You should you should be doing things that are are fulfilling to you. It's about fulfillment. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. I feel like we strayed will will on me. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we strayed from the the, the topic uh, a little bit. Um, let's let's get back to it. Um, so, what are what are some qualities that you're uh, that you appreciate from a musical director in a in a band setting? Yeah, I think to. Uh, to answer that question better, I think that uh, it, it's important to like look at what a, what a negative quality is, and I think that the most negative quality is delegating in kind of an underhanded way, and saying to someone like, "Oh, you've you know, I've I've seen you do this for a band before. You now have to do that for us, or you've done this for us. You have to do that for us," and it's this kind of like pushing of tasks onto other people, as opposed to just taking on the tasks until you, you know, potentially someone evolves into that, you know, arena where they're going to take that on or they're going to do some of that, you know? There's mm-hmm. a meaningful way for tasks to be handed off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, you know, just direct communication. Like, I would like you to do this thing. Are you willing? Yeah or nay? It's okay if you're not. <laughs> yeah, that, that is definitely the realist approach. I wish people talked like that, like robots. I wish people were robots. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a robot half the time. <laughs> you're uh, you're the most robot-like person that I know, Lyman. I forgot we killed the video so you can't see me doing the robot doing, Fortnite doing dance. Doing the robot? Yeah. <laughs> Not the robot, uh, the robot Fortnite dance. Oh, wonderful. Perfect, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's good. We should keep current. Uh... Yeah, you can't see me over here, but I'm flossing. 
I'm uh, I'm doing Orange Justice now. Um, I'm doing the uh, the fist bump one where I'm also kicking. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, you know, I, I you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can point at, um, but I think any kind of like any kind of putting things on on people like that in an unasked for way, I think is asking the band to be killed. Um, and I think it should be, you should be very careful with how you put tasks on people. Yeah, for sure. Um, on, on the other side of the coin, because uh, I prefer to be direct and work with people who are direct. If somebody puts me on a task that I feel like I'm not going to be too good at or don't want to do, like, I'm just going to, either say no or not do that thing. So that's, that's one uh, way around that as a side person. Yeah. As a, uh, as a side man, I feel like one thing that's really important uh, is to have your duties really clearly laid out. But um, employees get, <clears throat> you know, you aren't an actual band member. You're being hired for your side man role. And it's nice to have those, you know, you aren't an actual band member you're being hired for your side man role. And it's nice to have those duties really clearly kind of painted out for you so you don't have to, you know, be confused, you know? Mm. Hey, is my job just to show up and play guitar? If it is, great, tell me that. I'll do that for you. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the, the whole Gordon Ramsay thing. So much could be cleared up with, with just clear communication, clearly communicating. Yeah, totally. And um, I see that a lot in the kitchen. If, if, if he's working with a chef or an expediter that's not vocal enough, he will always be saying, talk to me, talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Do you wonder if there's some like, there's some like ego involved? There's some like, protectiveness of like making mistakes and stuff like that, where that stuff happens, but then you don't say anything. You don't communicate that that happened. And as you continue to not communicate, the problem just gets worse and worse. I, I think so, man. Like, um, I like to own my mistakes, um, mainly because I like to set people's expectations low for me. So it's easier for me to exceed them. Right, yeah. But, you want the lowest bar possible. Absolutely. <laughs> but at, at the same time, like, if, if I'm making a mistake, like, I'll just own it and uh, try try my darndest to uh, not make that same mistake or a similar <clears throat> mistake again in the future. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, obviously, that's the that's the best way to go. I mean... I don't know. You're just working with people so closely. It doesn't make sense to be guarded about any of that or try to hide any of that. Mm. It just feels like silly to, to even bother. Yeah. The, the best working relationships I've had with people in music have been the, the ones where we check our ego at the door. Like I was just writing a song with a, with a female singer. Well, let's be honest. She was writing the song and I was, uh, giving some input. Um, but like I, I could give my input and not feel like I was offending her. And on the flip side, she, 
she could receive input just fine without feeling like it was a personal attack on on her, you know, character. Yeah, yeah, that's super important. Yeah, separating the whole uh, constructive criticism is not uh, a personal attack. Like, that is huge. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's really huge when you're talking about improvisational stuff too, like bluegrass and jazz, you know, because we're talking about stuff that we're creating out of everything we know in the moment and trying to, like, make good stuff. And it's pretty harsh to have someone sit down and just be like, hey, what you're improvising right there isn't real good. Maybe you should compose something. Or, like, <laughs> I don't know, some kind of statement like that. It's really easy to take it too harsh um, when in reality it might be it might be a really useful wake-up call to hear something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the Gordon Ramsay approach. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, just, just call somebody out. Um, good leaders to me that I've worked with have been the ones that, that have been able to uh, get what they want out of me uh, without feeling like I, I am being personally attacked. Because the, the way you frame things, can it can be real easy uh especially in music with, with all the egos going around um, to, to take something personally or, or, or frame something in a way that could be misconstrued as a personal attack. Um, so a good leadership quality is being able to frame something in a, in a way that uh, will, will get uh, the, the performance you want out of the player that is working for you. And that's different for everybody. Like being able to, I don't want to say judge a book by its cover, but like being able to recognize different personality types and having some, you know, insight on what might work for them uh, is is huge. Like um, Gordon Ramsay, again, said like he can tell instantly within 60 seconds of a contestant coming on Hell's Kitchen or walking into a restaurant on Kitchen Nightmares if they'll make it or not or how far they'll go in the competition. Right. Because he's been doing doing stuff like this for so long and been around so many different people. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a, you know, a good leadership quality is being able to read how people want to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, if I wanted to compliment you, I would say something like, Lyman, you're terrible at jazz guitar, but I really am a fan of that sort of I'm bad at jazz guitar kind of sound, and I really think you nail that. (laughs) Yep. That's a... That's exactly what to, to say to me to get the performance you want, probably. <clears throat> yeah, and then, mean, condescending, yet also funny. And then you immediately will give me that performance that says, "You want bad? I'll show you just how bad I can be. You have no idea how high I can fly." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Another leadership quality uh, that that I really, really dislike is a. Uh, Everybody really dislikes us, but micromanaging. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, 
And uh, I've, I've played with a few. They're, they're usually always guitar players who um, will pick out like a certain note or a certain phrase uh, that, I, that I played and question me on it, which is fine. Um, but that goes back to uh, the, what I said earlier. Not all opinions are equal. Yep. I'm imagining a rock band. Am I close? Yes. Spot on. <laughs> Probably not the one you're you're thinking of, though. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I can um, just imagine the situation in a rock band. Like uh just that kind of like nitpicky, like, are you sure that baseline really works in a situation where like it's just not really that important? <laughs> mm. There's 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 two two answers that go through my head usually. One, yes, and two, what do you want? I am happy to play what what you want if you can articulate it at me. Mm, yes. Um but don't give me like, you know, don't try to give me like the sense that I have some sort of freedom when you don't really want me to have any freedom. If you don't want me to have any freedom, that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being a role player. Uh, but you're going to have to communicate what you want me to play. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Wait, I can't, I can't um, mind read what you want. Yeah. Um, I have to tell, tell one person I work with, she's wonderful, um, but she'll throw something new out, like to end a song every so often. And uh, I'll have to, to tell her after the song despite what you may think uh, I cannot read your mind so please communicate more <laughs> oh that's good <laughs> because I've, I've heard her play and uh, I've heard her you know her quirks and things like that enough to where uh, if I was her like I I definitely might have you know the the, the feeling that I could read her mind, but I can't. Yeah. I'm just making educated guesses. That's and sometimes my educated guess is gonna really flop. <laughs> uh that's so funny because I mean, de- depending on what kind of music you're playing, like what kind of gig you're on, like that could also be a serious plus. You know, like if you were on like a more improvisational like jazz gig or something like that, yeah, you wouldn't want a song to end the mm-hmm. same way every time. That would be that would be incredibly lame. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like I I could see you having that kind of saying the exact same thing, but in a negative light. If you were talking about like a really uh, like you know just like. Uh, just a jazz band that didn't like really swing. You're like hanging out with some like trio and they don't improvise really well and they want to work out all the endings and isn't that boring? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, but it, it, it stems back to the communication, like some sort of hand signal or like a look that, hey, something might be a little bit different here. Uh, point your antennae up yeah. to make sure you catch it. Totally. I like a... A wink and then a, a firm pat on the bum, <laughs> and then I know someone someone's going to change, and I'm ready. Hand signals are great. Like I have nothing against hand signals. I love baseball and those 
the catchers and the coaches are always doing dance moves pretty much <laughs> signal what they want. There's a, uh, there's a local bluegrass show that we always go to. And, um, the fiddle player, he sings the, uh, um, gonna buy me a mercury and cruise it up and down the road tune. It's more like a rockabilly tune, but they do it in a, in a bluegrass style. And, uh, he does the ending thing where instead of landing on the one chord, he he tags it and they land on the four chord and then he tags the line again and then they end it on the one chord. You know, we've all kind of <laughs> seen that thing, right? Well, he's he's a fiddle player, so he's not playing his instrument while he's singing that uh, that last you know final couple tags. And to remind the band, he holds up his right hand and he just <laughs> he just holds up four fingers right at that moment and holds up four. And uh, it's so funny because, you know, a bunch of people, I'm sure, at the bar are like, why is he doing that? But all of us other musicians, all of our his friends, basically, we all get it. And so over at the back of the bar, you know, towards the, towards the back of the venue, you see like seven hands go up, all holding up four fingers right when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all ready to signal the band, hey, everyone, remember there's that four chord. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's funny. That's great. Um, uh, something with audience and micromanaging that uh, I got I got once um, was uh, and the the person that did this to me might be listening to the podcast. You'll you'll know who you are if you you hear this story. I'm Please tell me it's rip me. Into you Please a tell bit. me it's me. <laughs> it's, it's not you. <laughs> Um, but I was playing this, this rock gig, um, covers and originals, and I had, um, my Kindle, uh, rigged up on a mic stand, uh, with, with all the changes, uh, to the tunes. Cause you know, I want to sound good. I'll use all the tools I have at my disposal to sound good. And, uh, the guitar player, this giant guy, like six, six comes, comes up to me like, and asks me. Hey, you sure you want to set up your 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 iPad right there? Um, you sure that won't be distracting? <laughs> well, you think you could put it back there? Uh, and uh, I I explained to him. Um, I have this this set here for a reason. I have it low so I can look down, check the changes, and then look back up and see you guys make eye contact with you guys. I'm happy to put it over here, but my head's gonna be over over there all night. You okay with that? No, nah, I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, man. Also, did you did you immediately correct him when he was like, hey man, sure you want to set up your iPad there? You were like, whoa, whoa, bub. And then you gave him a firm <laughs> shove to the chest and you were like, that's a Kindle. <laughs> I was thinking it. I don't even, I don't know if he called it an iPad. I think he called it my stand. But I, I was thinking about doing the bit. You know, well, well, first things first, it's a Kindle, not an iPad, but I don't know if that's how it went down. Yeah, I just know that all of you Kindle kids, you're really, uh, you know, like you're, you're, that's really important to you that people know it's not an iPad. You're not, you know, you're not a servant to the man, you know, you're all about that Kindle life. <laughs> the Kindle is my wife's. She just lets me use it on gigs. Yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that, buddy. That doesn't even mean anything. Uh, that means nothing. <laughs> no, her hair bands. Her hair bands. Oh, yeah, that's true. You, you do do that. 
there, there's probably a ton of stuff of hers that I've jerry rigged in ways to use uh, on on gigs, and also uh, some of her T-shirts as well. I, I take those. <clears throat> Is that for the gig attire? Yeah. She had this this one great one that had all the Super Mario characters on it, and I, I would wear that one frequently on gigs. That's cool, dude. I normally just borrow, you know, like fishnets and that kind of thing. <laughs> it's just that bluegrass show attire. It's just, you know, I don't have all that stuff laying around. Hey, man, I'm working my way up. <laughs> Oh man, this has been a weird show, dude. This is a this is a weird one. This has been a very weird yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't really remember what happened for the last hour. I was, you know, it, it was it definitely wasn't a lucid dream. I feel like I'm I'm waking up like I browned out. I have no idea what we talked about, what I said. Mm. I'm having like my third or fourth ever blackout of my life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't... And I haven't had a drink in four years. Yeah, but this podcast, it just really messed you up. Mm-hmm. I think the whole house-sitting thing messed up my brain a little bit. Like, I haven't... I was in Washington for a week, and I came back home to Arizona, and then I was in my house for, like, six days, and then I went and uh, left the house-sit, so... My my whole January has been ruined. My disappointment is immeasurable, and my month is ruined. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that really affects you. You know, just moving around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited for things to get back to to normal. You should uh, you and, should uh, come visit me out in North Carolina. You know, I mean, as long as January is ruined, just get a plane ticket. Uh, I'll just drive. I'll see you in four days. <laughs> four days? No, no, no. Uh, you'll see me in maybe three days, man, if you, like, really hustle. Um, my buddy gave me this this energy drink that has no sugar, but, like, 350 milligrams of caffeine and, like, creatine <laughs> and other amino acids. Uh, I drank this thing right before a gig, and I had had another energy drink beforehand. And so like it took until the third set for me to like not be vibrating. <laughs> I like that. I, I like to imagine that it's just like, it's just like an, uh, like an Arizona tea and he just got a bunch of pills from like a trucker and he just ground them up and just, <laughs> <laughs> and just poured them in there. I'm not there yet, but the amount of coffee I drank, I'm, I'm approaching. When we when we drove from Washington State to North Carolina, and we did that in I think it was five days. Um, the last stretch we drove for um, two days straight, and um, and it ended up being almost exactly forty eight hours. Um, <clears throat> I we stopped at a gas station. I got an energy drink, and I don't do any caffeine. Um, actually, just until a couple months ago, but. Um, I, I didn't, like, really drink soda. I didn't have coffee. I certainly didn't do energy drinks, nothing like that. But I got an energy drink, and I drank it, thinking, like, whatever, I'll be cool. And we're, like, driving along, and, like, I just start vibrating. <laughs> and I'm just, like, shaking. And I'm, like, my stomach hurts. I have to pee. 
My head hurts. <laughs> Why would anyone do this to their body? <laughs> oh, God. So, so you did like zero caffeine before that? Yeah. Like just very intermittently? Yeah, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like on purpose. Like I didn't have like an agenda or anything. I just, I didn't really like anything with caffeine in it. That, that, that's crazy because uh, I, I drink caffeine all the time, but I'm still relatively sensitive to it. Way more sensitive than than my wife, and uh, I I gotta feel like I'm 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 gonna give myself a Parkinson's disease at some point. <laughs> and I I don't mean that to be a joke or anything. Like I, I've seen, like you know, this is this is my uninformed opinion. All opinions are not equal, but I've seen studies like linking Adderall to early onset uh, Parkinson's disease. And like, I, I feel like if I'm just vibrating all the time from caffeine, like it, it, it can't be good for me. Yeah, well, you know, probably not. But, um, you know, the good news is you're probably getting a lot done. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? On that very, very happy drug-related note, I think that's a podcast, dude. Yeah, that's a podcast. We played, I played zero guitar. Yeah, I, I played guitar for a second. Yeah, you played the pentatonic scale. Yeah, that's nice. If anyone wants to hear another pentatonic scale, um, you can reach me at lessonswithmarcel.com. There's a bunch of tabs. There's uh, merchandise. <laughs> of course, you can check out my YouTube channel. Uh, you can sign up for Skype lessons. What else do I got? Oh, I recently started a blog. You can check out my very first blog post. Ooh, I didn't know you had a blog. Yeah, I only have one post, so there you go. What's it about? Oh, just whatever I feel like. The first post is about whether you should stick to the melody or improvise. Is the answer yes? Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Uh, where can the people find you, Lyman? I'm Lyman. You can find me at LimanLipke.com. That's L-Y-M-A-N-L-I-P-K-E. Hey, that's... The dot symbol. <laughs> C-O-M. That's... What, what, what's that's, your no, joke? That's smart that you spelled it. I just realized that we've never spelled it before. Yeah, there's a link down below, but I, I don't know if anybody ever checks that. Whatever you're doing right now, however you're listening to this, below you, there is a link to LimanLipke.com. Just look down and you'll see it. Is that what the, the Outcast album, The Love Below, was about? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll um, explain that to you later. <laughs> There's also a Blink-182 album you might need explained to you. <laughs> huh. Okay. Hey. Um, but yeah, I have, a, I have a difficult name. Like, I figure I, I should, you know, spell it every third episode or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm not going to spell out my website because people are sick of me saying the name of my website. And, and your name isn't too difficult. No, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like a 3.5 on the difficulty scale. 3.5 out of 5? Yeah, man. Or out of 10? Okay. So a 7. Yeah. I mean, like, because you could put two L's or you could do an LLE. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody call you, call you Marcy? I wish. 
Uh, Start calling you Marcy. Yeah, now. people only um, uh, people only call me Marcy on Tuesday nights down at a certain bar, but I won't get into that. <laughs> um, we do things together too intermittently, like this podcast and the the Jazz and Grass account on Instagram. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so yeah, go go uh, follow us on Instagram. There's Guitar Licks uh, Monday through Saturday. On Sundays, the day of the Lord, this podcast comes out. Um, we are not affiliated with the Lord in any way, though. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, we, we, do, we, we do not speak for the church. <laughs> yeah, we just... Or even about the church, really. No, we just use the, uh, the church's day to uh, publish our podcast. Anyway, thank you uh, so much for listening today. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you around Jazz and Grassland uh, soon. Yeah, hit us up. 